We welcome you to the 2021 Eschatology Series, a series that unfolds the power of ancient prophecies. Our series is based on the book of Revelation. Eschatology is a part of critical theology concerned with the final events of past, present, and future events foretold in the Old and New Testament prophecies, particularly in Revelation. It depicts the ultimate destiny of humanity while revealing the fulfilled prophetic events of Jesus Christ. This concept is commonly referred to as the end of the world or end times. The word arises from the Greek word eschatos, meaning last, and of course, ology meaning the study of. My name is Dr. Stephen Finney, and I will be your teacher. We want to alert you to a two-volume set coming out soon. This commentary expresses the Hebrew and Greek codex of the organic scriptures stated in the book of Revelation. Verse by verse, I might add. The commentary will also include many cultural and global events revealed in the book of Revelation. Our next series is called The Mysteries of Ancient Prophecies. Our new series will be exploring the Old Testament eschatology while connecting it to events unfolding in our culture today. Again, thank you for joining us today. We hope that you are encouraged to become proactive in your studies of the book of Revelation. Let's get started. Your grace, my heart. 
Jesus, hold me close in your embrace. Take me deeper, oh yeah, deeper than I've ever been before. I just want to love you more and more. How I long to be deeper in love. Paul Jackson, Jr. Today we're on number 58 in our series. It's called the Seventh Seal, which of course is a part of our 2021 eschatology series. The seventh bowl is the final outpouring of God's wrath on the sinners that remain on the earth shortly before the very first day of judgment begins. After this particular bowl is poured out, Jesus will come to set up his millennial reign, which of course is the 1,000-year judgment. 
In reviewing our scripture for today, it's out of Revelation 16, verses 17 through 21. It says, Then the seventh angel poured out his bowl upon the air, and a loud voice came out of the temple from the throne, saying, It is done. And there were flashes of lightning and sounds of piles of thunder, and there was a great earthquake such as there had not been since man came to be upon the earth. So great an earthquake was it, and so mighty. The great city was split into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell. Babylon the Great was remembered before God to give her the cup of wine of his fierce wrath. And every island fled away, and every mountain And the mountains were not found, and huge hailstones, about one hundred pounds each, came down from heaven upon men. And men blasphemed God because of the plague of the hail, because its plague was extremely severe. Let's review that seventh seal. Our passage separates the seventh vial or bowl from the last six. The reason? It is the final outpouring of God's wrath on those who held to the Antichrist's demonic doctrines. Directly after this vial, Jesus will appear in his second coming to set up his millennial kingdom for the thousand years of judgment. Please note at the end of this thousand-year reign, there is yet one more final act of rebellion. Satan and his demons rise to front the king of kings, which is quickly subdued through the Gog and Magog's battle. It's called the Battle of Armageddon. Well, we certainly will speak more about this thousand-year reign of Christ in chapter 20, But during this judgment period, Satan is chained and thrown into the abyss, which is a bottomless pit, thus not being able to influence the minds of those being judged. Without question, this bowl of wrath will be the most traumatic and devastating of all. Its effects will be to the first day of judgment. Every human will be bewildered, not just after this bowl, but as a result of all seven bowls. Once this bowl is completed, it's finished. God's allowance for repentance will come to a complete stop. The 6,000 years of man will now be over. In fact, the seventh bowl is the announcement of the final judgment of humanity. Let's take a look at that great earthquake that's coming. The seventh vial will be poured into the air, and with it, a loud voice will proclaim the words we have all been longing to hear for generations. It is done. Along with this pouring will come flashes of lightning and sounds of thunder, resulting in a mighty earthquake the earth has not had to embrace since the days of creation. This earthquake will be so mighty that it will split 
the city of Jerusalem, the city that the Antichrist has been attempting to conquer for centuries. This city will be divided into three equal parts. But wait, there's more. Every island and mountain will be disintegrated, and hailstones will fall from heaven. As our passage revealed to us, each weighing 100 pounds. That is a large hailstone. I was once told that if a person dropped a penny from the top of the Empire State Building, that weight of that single penny would pierce the roof of a car. Can you imagine what a stone, hailstone, falling from heaven is going to do when it impacts the earth? My fragile mind can't even comprehend that. The events following this vial will produce such calamity, confusion, destruction, pain, and hostility that no man or beast will escape its wrath. The powers of heaven will be shaking the very foundation of the earth itself. Peter tried to explain this horrid event. Out of Second Peter chapter 3, verses 10 and 12, it says this, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, in which the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat, and the earth and its works will be burned up. Since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be destroyed by burning and the elements will melt with intense heat? Isaiah put it this way, From the Lord of hosts you will be punished with thunder and earthquake and loud noise, with whirlwind and tempest and the flame of a consuming fire. That's out of Isaiah 29.6. David also said something about this traumatic event that is to be coming. May our God come and not keep silent. Fire devours before him and it is very temptuous around him. He summons the heavens above and the earth to judge his people. That's Psalm 50, verses 3 through 4. We need to take a couple moments here and review how the Antichrist system crumbles. In chapter 17, we will see the Antichrist kingdom crumble like a dried-up piece of bread. He has been the prince and power of the air for 6,000 years. But his playtime is about to come to a bitter end. According to Ephesians chapter 2 verse 2, Even the elements turn on him, and the air he was granted temporarily to rule turns to liquid fire. A little more needs to be said about the city of Jerusalem being divided into three parts. This earthquake will be so powerful, the Mount of Olives will break in half. One half will move toward the east and the other toward the west. The two parts of land will be completely cut off, destroyed with one 
part preserved. Listen to Zechariah's words. It will come about in all the land, declares the Lord, that two parts in it will be cut off and perish, but the third will be left in it, and I will bring the third part through the fire, refine them as silver is refined and test them as gold is tested. They will call on my name, and I will answer them. I will say, They are my people, and they will stay. The Lord is my God. That's Zechariah 13, verses 8 and 9. The third part will be brought through the refining fire of the Lord. Yes, even Jerusalem must go through the baptism of fire, Remember the pile of ashes that Job sat on during his torment and despair? That bit of prophecy is being fulfilled in our passage. The remaining two parts of the city will become a ruin of ashes that the righteous third will sit upon. And of course we know who that righteous third is. It's the 144,000 pure bloodline Jews. Well, folks, this is the big one. The end has come for the Antichrist system and all of his global leaders of one world governance. All of the trillions of dollars spent on politics, weapons, and systems of control that has been building up to this hour will have been for naught. God turned 6,000 years of fruitless efforts of man and beast into a pile of benign ashes. Six thousand years of Satan's wrath being poured out onto mankind doesn't hold a candlestick to the one vial from God. When God gave these words to Jeremiah, not one understood the gravity of this prophecy until now. In Jeremiah chapter 4 verses 23 through 26, It says this, I looked on the earth, and behold, it was formless and void, and to the heavens, and they had no light. I looked on the mountains, and behold, they were quaking, and all of the hills moved to and fro. I looked, and behold, there was no man, and all the birds of the heavens had fled. I looked, and behold, the fruitful land was a wilderness, and all of its cities were pulled down before the Lord, before his fierce anger. Now, if you remember back before creation, the earth was a formless planet. This is exactly what Jeremiah is describing here. At the end of the seventh bowl, the earth basically returns to its original planet state, a formless planet. Now you would think that at least one person would repent after all this, but no, they have all sold their souls to Satan. The price of their rebellion will be eternal damnation. In fact, at this point, no repentance is granted to any. Verse 21 reveals to us these rebels rise and curse God. They have all accepted the mark of the beast and have bowed to kiss his feet in worship. 
Each of these people will have been marked to receive the outpouring of the seventh vial. Now remember, God gave each of them plenty of opportunities through the six vials. From the first to the sixth, God granted every opportunity for repentance, and now with the seventh, no repentance is found. In conclusion, I say this to the true indwelt believers. Thank God the born again will not be there, nor will they have to go through this. We will simply be observers. We all will be safe and secure from all harm. Thanks to the shed blood on the cross, we will not have to have our blood spilt on the ground of Armageddon or any other battlefield warming up to this horrid battle. Pray for the lost souls of your loved ones because the souls who refuse to accept the final work of the blood of Jesus will be required to spill their own for eternity. It's that simple. I know that there are plenty of Christians out there, true indwell Christians, who carry a daily burden for their lost family members and friends. This should be a warning for us. After all, God did give us this passage. The reason behind it is not so much to comfort your soul, but it is to reach out to the lost today. You, me, we're representatives of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our job is to teach and preach the word to the very end. Start today. Start with your neighbor. Start with that family member coming over. The time is close. And the seventh seal reveals to us just how serious God is in punishing those who do not and have not received the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Coming up next is number 59. It's called The Great Whore. Even though there are many speculations about Babylon's empire, particularly in the book of Revelation, the topic of Babylon of the great whoredom is of great importance in the unfolding of the book of Revelation. To gain Babylon's right perspective, we need to keep these verses in context with God's word and place less attention on man's clever ideas or the daily news. Here are a few points we need to keep at the forefront of our study, particularly as we look into number 59 in our series. Satan is the master of all counterfeits. All of his plans and deceptive maneuvers are replicated from God's original. For example, God as a trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Satan has his counterfeit, the dragon, Satan, the beast, the Antichrist, and the false prophet. God has his ordained leaders and preachers, and so does Satan, according to 2 Corinthians 11, verses 13 through 15. God has his woman Israel, according to Revelation 12, and Satan has his woman, the great whore. 
That's found in Revelation chapter 17. One woman is of God and the other is of none other than Satan himself. Both women stated in Revelation are mothers. The first brought forth the son who rules the nations. The second is the mother of harlots. Both women are dressed in majestic beauty. The first is dressed in heavenly attire, light from heaven. The second woman is dressed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls. The second woman suffers at the hands of the ten kings who initially support her, but now make her naked alone, literally eating her flesh, and burn her with fire. All this, by the way, is through the allowance of God. Both of these women hold great positions of power on the earth, but only one holds the power of heaven, and that is woman Israel. The first is pure, and the second is stained with immorality and sin. One represents the God of true masculinity, and the other feminizes all forms of impurity through transgender and neutralized sexuality. One is carried on the wings of an eagle, and the Antichrist carries the other. One has upon her head a crown of twelve stars. The other, the name of the destroyer, and is drunk with the blood of the bridal members of Christ. Last but not least, one takes up her place at the right hand of God, and the other in the eternal damnation of the pit of hell. We appreciate you joining us today. As you can tell by each episode, things are coming to a close. Soon and very soon, we're going to be talking about the glorious life that the Bride of Christ will have with her husband, Jesus Christ, on this new earth that is being prepared for her as we speak. Until next time.